Before we start the episode, I wanted to put a little content warning up at the top, specifically for my friend Terry. Terry, I know you've been saying you want to listen to the podcast, and that means a lot to me. Thank you. I would advise you not to start with this one. Some of the topics broached in this episode might be a little upsetting. So Terry, I'm going to ask that you do not start with this episode. Hey friends, welcome to the episode. Look, we got a lot to get to this week, so I don't want to waste a lot of time up top, but I do want to address something from the last episode. It was something I didn't kind of feel right about. The I Remember when I was talking about those bros and who were sitting next to um, me and my wife at the Italian restaurant? And at the end of their conversation, the one bro just uh, said to the other bro, Hey, what's your workout regime? Well, after I recorded uh, the podcast and I told that story, I started to think, I was like, regime? Your workout regime? That didn't sound right to me. And, I, and then I, then it popped in my head. I went, oh, maybe maybe he meant regimen. Now, I, I will tell you this. He said re- regime. So if I misspoke, it was because the bro misspoke. But I did come home and I wanted to look it up after uh, after recording the episode and sending it out into the world. I was like, wow, I might sound like a real idiot by saying workout regime. So I looked up regime and regimen. Regime, there are two definitions. The first being a government, especially an authoritarian one. And that I was like, oh God, stupid. Again, the bro said regime. I was just repeating the bro. But then the second definition for regime is a system or planned way of doing things, especially one imposed from above. Well, you can leave that last part off. But a system or planned way of doing things, a workout regime, that makes sense. So I thought maybe me and the bro are okay on this one. I did look up regimen as well, and it also has two Definitions: The first one being a prescribed course of medical treatment, way of life, or diet for the promotion or restoration of health. So regimen, probably the better word, bro. If you're listening out there, maybe next time you want to talk to your friend about his new workout printouts that you've seen online. <laughs> uh, he said, I saw your printouts. Uh, but there, the second definition uh given here is a system of government. So it looks like regimen and regime either, I mean, it's like their best buddies holding hands, skipping down the grammar road. So I feel good using regime. If you, if you got a problem with it, uh, I don't know what to tell you. One other thing people were concerned about in the last episode, it sounded like when I was talking about my visit to Buddy's Pizza that we didn't feed my daughter. <laughs> Uh, she did, in fact, get uh, something to eat. Uh, she was not denied food. When she goes to a restaurant, she looks at a menu. If there's ravioli on the menu, she she gets it. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the plan was uh, beforehand. We had all planned to share a pizza, anything like that. If ravioli's on the menu, she goes, she orders it. So she did have the cheese ravioli for buddies. Uh, 
and uh, just to put everybody's mind at ease. All right, that's enough yammering. We have got to get into this episode. There's a lot to get to. Let's do it. But first, let's start every. Let's start out how we start every episode. Um, Reverend, if you wouldn't mind giving us an opening prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Farts, Heavenly Father, our hearts are made ready to hear the truth. I don't care who you are. There comes a time in everybody's life where you start questioning the Disney characters. All right, all right. Mickey's a mouse. Donald's a duck. Pluto's a dog. What's goofy? If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. No question about it. Goofy's a dog. He's definitely a dog. I knew the $64,000 question was fixed. There's no way anybody can know that much about opera. He can't be a dog. He wears a hat and drives a car. Wagon Train's a really cool show, but did you ever notice that they never get anywhere? Just keep wagon training. God, that's weird. What the hell is Goofy? Now, I'm pretty convinced Goofy's a dog. That that issue's been solved for me. My daughter has a friend who thinks that Goofy is a cow. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that's her journey. That she's she's gonna have to figure that one out on, on her own. I think the biggest issue when it comes to these Disney characters all, all centers around the character of Pluto. Because he's also a dog like Goofy, yet he doesn't wear clothes or drive a car. My theory for that, and, you know, it's dumb. Ultimately, who cares? Uh, who cares why Pluto doesn't talk and lives his life as as a canine companion to Mickey Mouse and Goofy gets to wear clothes, drive a car, uh, have sex? I mean, he has he has a kid. So, I mean, Goofy's also making love, making sweet love. <laughs> but it, it ultimately doesn't matter because it's... It's a cartoon world, and, and if you waste any time thinking about it, uh, I, you might be a loser, or, or you might have a podcast, <laughs> which uh, hopefully, hopefully it's just the latter for me. But I've always had a theory as to why some of the Disney characters can talk, and, and then there's Pluto, who's a pet, and then there's Figaro. Figaro's just your, your average cat. Whereas Pete, who I believe is supposed to be a cat, wears overalls, has a peg leg, and can speak. Uh, my theory, of course, if you haven't figured it out yet, is that in the Disney world, if you slap clothes on an animal, they can they they can they can talk. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be a full on outfit because we all know you know Mickey wears pants, Donald wears a shirt, no pants, a little weird. Uh, but any any kind of clothes will suddenly give a character in the Mickey universe, the Mickeyverse, I call it, uh, you know, self-awareness and the power of speech. I think there's no better example of that than Chip and Dale, because in the original Chip and Dale cartoons, as far as I can recall, I haven't seen any of these newfangled ones for today's youth, but in the old ones... 
And they were usually partnered up with Pluto, oddly enough. Uh, they would do a lot of kind of like uh, tittering and giggling at each other, but no no words that I remember, no, no word, human speech. And then, you know, fast forward to the Rescue Rangers, you got one dressed like Indiana Jones, you got one dressed like Magnum P.I., and suddenly they're talking like humans do. So that the Rescue Rangers, that seems to, Chippendale specifically seems to be um, proof of my theory. However, again, I want to reiterate, it does, it does not matter. <laughs> but there is a cartoon from 1949 called Pluto's Sweater that kind of blows my theory out of the water. Uh, in Pluto's Sweater, Min, uh, Pluto's living with Minnie, which is odd in the first place. Maybe she's dog-sitting while Mickey's on vacation, I don't know, on a business trip. <laughs> Uh, but in this in this cartoon, uh, Minnie is knitting Pluto a sweater, and uh, I got to tell you, Pluto he doesn't want it. And why doesn't he want it? Well, if we go with my theory, it's because once uh, once that sweater is put on him, he will suddenly have self awareness, and ugh, you cannot imagine the horrors that Pluto has perpetrated without a second thought. And, and to slap clothes on him and then have him have to face the stark reality of the horrible, horrible acts he's committed. Uh, he doesn't want that. He wants to remain blissfully ignorant, being Mickey's canine pal. Uh, no, no, actually, the, the real reason he doesn't want to wear this sweater is because it looks itchy as hell. And uh, Figaro's there, too. Because, uh, you know, Figaro went... Figaro kind of made it, it uh, into the, the big leagues, went from being... Uh, Geppetto's uh, feline companion to being Minnie's, and uh, that's that's a that's a pretty good um, promotion, I think. But anyway, Figaro's laughing laughing his ass off, picturing Pluto in this dumbass sweater. Anyway, uh, Minnie forces Pluto to wear this pink sweater, and uh, Figaro's laughing his fuzzy ass off. And if it as if it couldn't get any worse. Minnie kicks Pluto out into the outside, out into the the cold reality, where all the other neighborhood dogs laugh their fuzzy asses off as as well. And so, so for kind of the remainder of the episode is Pluto trying to rid himself of this Pepto Bismol colored monstrosity. Uh, there's there's times where it seems to be alive, like a like a symbiote or a, or the blob from that uh, from the movie. Uh, from the the titular blob from the blob, uh, he eventually does get the sweater off, um, and he gets it wet too. He rolls around in a puddle or whatnot, and it shrinks down to the perfect size for Figaro, that son of a bitch. And Minnie, of course, uh, slaps Figaro in the uh, in the sweater, and Pluto and the audience. I assume we all have a we all have a good laugh. At the cat because cats are dicks. We all know that. All of us cat fans. I'm a cat guy, but cats are humongous dicks. So to, to see Figaro get his comeuppance at last is very satisfying. Look, it's a good cartoon. I liked it. It it made me laugh. It's a simple concept. Putting uh, clothes on animals is both cruel and funny. Um, not cruel like in the sense of forcing them into you know into fights. But uh, but cruel in the sense that we can all have a good laugh when we see it on, you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever the fuck you look at animal videos on. Uh, 
However, there's no self-awareness. There's no talking. Pluto and Figaro don't start instantly speaking human words. So pretty much my theory is wrong. I was made aware of a creepypasta that examines this phenomenon. And I'm going to read that creepypasta right now. So, lower the lights, turn up the volume, wrap your blanket tightly around yourself. As I read you the story, Mickey's Best Friend. Mickey's Best Friend is a controversial 10-minute cartoon that was shown in theaters on November 15th. 1929. It was later banned and isn't allowed to be shown again due to its history of kids requiring constant attention after viewing its content. The cartoon was animated by Ub Ewerks with music composed by Carl Stalling. It isn't even available to anyone who wants to complete their collection of classic Mickey cartoons. It was originally intended to be a Halloween-related short, which revolved around Mickey and Eustace, an anthropomorphic dog character. Walt, at the time, thought kids were getting dumbed down by other shorts, and that they were mature enough to handle what he wanted to show them. Plot. Mickey is driving to his workplace in his car, Along the way, it breaks down due to an engine problem, and he gets out to check it. When Mickey finds out it's beyond repair, he goes into a depression until Eustace arrives and helps out by fixing the problem. Mickey is relieved and introduces himself. After getting Eustace's name, Mickey invites him to go with him somewhere. Eustace asks Mickey if he was supposed to be somewhere, but Mickey lies to him and decides to skip work. The two arrive in a cafe where the owner spots Mickey and gives him a stern look. He walks up and rudely asks Mickey what he wants. After ordering the sheriff, Pete enters and confronts Mickey, demanding that he finally pays off his late rent. Mickey, on the verge of a breakdown, is pitied by Eustace, who decides to pay off Mickey's entire debt. The sheriff laughs and warns Eustace, telling him that Mickey will only cause him trouble before leaving the scene. Mickey, relieved that he's off the hook, hugs Eustace in joy. Mickey leaves the cafe with Eustace and begins to introduce his new friends to the local resident. Oh, his new friend. <coughs> Sorry. Mickey leaves the cafe with Eustace and begins to introduce his new friend to the local residents through a bunch of different scenes. They don't care and walk off. The last resident they speak to begins to chuckle for a bit and warns Eustace that he should be careful around that mouse. Eustace tries to get an explanation on why this person holds a grudge. But the resident 
is nowhere to be seen after his warning. Eustace asks Mickey why he's smiling after the reception he got, and Mickey admits to Eustace that he hasn't had friends before, and that Eustace is his first pal. Eustace feels bad and seems to be hiding something with a guilty expression. Mickey and Eustace in a bunch of quick scenes stop by a theater, play a game, and go atop a mountain viewing the scenery. Afterwards, Mickey shows Eustace his home in hopes that he'll live with him. It's here where Eustace feels bad for the mouse, but finally admits that he has to leave. Mickey is in shock and assumes it's a betrayal like all of the other relationships he's had. Eustace tells Mickey that he, he isn't pleased by the town, and especially the residents, and he's going to search elsewhere. He apologizes to Mickey and gives a few encouraging words before finally heading out the door. Mickey rushes and grabs Eustace by the leg and pleads for him to stay, but Eustace shakes his head. Mickey decides that he can't lose his only friend and knocks him out with a rock that was found on the ground. The next scene shows Mickey walking down the stairs to his basement. He turns on the lights where Eustace is tied onto an operating table. Eustace is still unconscious. Mickey begins to sob and act apologetic. He talks to Eustace through this state, telling him that he has to be this way. He constantly shouts out that he can't be alone anymore and finally gets a knife from under the operating table and begins to work on him from off screen. After useless, <laughs> useless. <laughs> After Eustace finally awakes, it is revealed that he is no longer anthropomorphic, but a real dog. He begins to freak out and can only make barks. During the freak out, it switches to first person mode and we see Mickey entering the room. Eustace no longer seems scared the moment he sets his sights on Mickey. Through the mouse, he feels like he needs Mickey and finally pounces and licks him. Mickey tells Eustace that nobody will ever know about this and how it will be their eternal secret. He tells Eustace that he will be known as Pluto until they part. The scene switches to Mickey's home and zooms out. The sheriff's laughter is heard along with the resident who had warned Eustace about Mickey in the first place. Anyway, that's that creepypasta. I like creepypastas. That one is, uh, you know, it's obviously bullshit. That's, that's never up for debate with a creepypasta usually. But, I, you know, I... It's a little, if that was Walt Disney's idea of a Halloween-themed Mickey cartoon, that seems a little sophisticated for 1929. Like, I feel like a Halloween episode then would be like, a trick-or-treater shows up at, to Mickey's house with a witch costume on, and but it's a real witch. It's not like a kid dressed up. Or like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie show up dressed as ghosts and then there's like a real ghost with them and the ghost chases them around to take their candy. Like that seems like 
Halloween in 1929. Like, making Mickey a friendless psychopath slash amateur brain surgeon. Like, that seems very sophisticated. I mean, that seems like, like, you know, like a, uh, like seven or something, you know? I just, it's just, it, it, again, I enjoy a, I enjoy a fun creepypasta. And that certainly, that certainly is a wild take on the origins of Pluto. Um, but, you know, it's a little, it's, it's horror themes. It's Halloween themes are a little sophisticated, I think, for 1929. But anyway, that was that, that was that. And, uh, let's move on. What if Mickey Mouse just kept practicing that at-home brain surgery on his friends? Like, that's why Donald Duck has that awful speech impediment and why Goofy is kind of acts goofy like he does. Maybe, like, it's all Mickey kind of attempting to remove any notions um, in anybody's mind, any of his friends' mind, that he's some sort of amoral predator or that he's almost, that he's almost like evil incarnate. Like, he knows... He's been doing all this brain surgery on these different animal pals because he knows exactly what to cut out to ensure that, like, everybody loves him and that they're dependent on him for, you know, their happiness and stability. Like, he makes sure their world revolves around him. And he only knows that because he's been doing all these experiments on all these different animals. And we, we kind of see, like, where he was at certain parts uh, in his learning, like that's Donald Duck and the voice Goofy's kind of slow, but like, you know, Minnie is real like devoted to him. So like maybe he's starting to perfect it when he gets to Minnie's brain surgery, all except Pete though, peg leg Pete, uh, which means maybe here's a question. Is Pete, is Pete the good guy? Is he the good guy in all this? And then, it, and I have to then think about Oswald, the happy rabbit. That would be the precursor to Mickey who totally disappeared when Mickey Mouse showed up on the scene. Like, I have a theory about that, too, kind of based on this version of Mickey from this creepypasta. Like, maybe Oswald is has been locked away somewhere because only he knows the truth about Mickey and what Mickey's doing and the, tr the true evil that is Mickey Mouse. Like, I, I, he hasn't operated on Oswald or anything. He just, he's locked him away in some, like, warehouse that he rents downtown. That... That's the rent that Pete's trying to collect in that story. The rent on the warehouse that Mickey... Oh, it's all, it's all coming together, people. Uh, I've always laughed at conspiracy theorists, but, I mean, this just, this just makes sense. This is like a puzzle just coming together, like puzzle pieces interlocking. But that's the rent that Pete is trying to collect on. Mickey Mouse rents this, like, dilapidated factory downtown, and he just keeps Oswald the Happy Rabbit locked up in it. Uh, not, you know... Maybe maybe he does some sort of surgeries on him, but it's really maybe he's like sliced off his arms and legs. Oh, and he's a rabbit, so maybe he wears one of one of Oswald's like feet under a shirt. Except Mickey doesn't wear a shirt. Hmm. Maybe it's in his back pocket, the back pocket of his pantaloons. But like every Mickey like comes by every day to the warehouse or whenever he can to just feed Oswald just enough. And then also just like maybe showing pictures of the new or videos on his iPhone of like his friends, like throwing him a birthday party. And they're all just in love with Mickey and they'll do anything he says, no matter what crazy thing, like they'll build a boat with him or they'll start a ghost hunting 
uh, it does start a ghost hunting company with them, even though, you know, it's, that's ridiculous. How are they going to make money on that? And like, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, these poor animals, they don't know what you've done. They don't know. They don't know how evil you are, Mickey Mouse, that you keep my foot in your back pocket for good luck. And Mickey takes the foot out and like swings it and he's dyed it, uh, he's dyed it hot pink and he swings it in front of Oswald's face. He's like, ha ha, well, there's your foot, you son of a bitch. And he just keeps him like just half alive, chained up like some sort of sick prize. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I've got some, I got some real problems. No, you know what it is? I just, I love creepypastas so much. That was so much fun to read too. I've, I found another creepy pasta. I want to read this one too. I mean, if you if you don't enjoy creepy pastas or being read to you on a podcast, I'm sorry. Just let me indulge. I mean, if anything, this podcast is a little bit for me to indulge in the things I love, and I really do love creepy, uh, creepy pastas. So I want to read one more. Uh, so bear with me here. This one is one that I found. This one is really, really disturbing. So I mean, maybe ask the kids to leave the room, but it, it is called. It's called, Here's What My Tour Around America Taught Me About the Weird, Woke, and Wicked. And this one was written by a user named Kirk Cameron. So uh, let's get into it. This is another really super scary creepypasta that I found. I've been on a cross-country book tour for the last five months speaking with families and children across America at public libraries, sharing my beliefs about faith, family, and country. You may already know that drag queens have been cross-dressing for children and appearing in many of our nation's public libraries for years. And you may have heard that I've been visiting these same public libraries, those that are willing to host me, and other venues doing my own story hour together with brave books. Families have been pouring into my events by the hundreds, even the thousands. When I speak to these people, I share the timeless value of biblical wisdom and the fruit of the spirit with children and their parents. I warm the room, shine the light by reading stories to spellbound audiences from my new book, As You Grow. After I conclude my remarks, panicked parents often crowd around, pressing me with hard questions. They're pleading. They earnestly long for a return to wholesome, God-honoring, pro-American values. These people want to know. Why? Is there seemingly sudden increase in pedophiles and sexual deviants? Why do we have so many amoral or plainly immoral educators, school administrators, school boards, politicians, community leaders, and even judges hell-bent on advancing the sexualization of our innocent children? and pushing perversion into the hearts and minds of the most impressionable among us. Why are too many of these leaders hiding their aberrant sex education and gender-affirming curricula from the parents of their students, stripping moms 
and dads of their rights to determine when and how their children are exposed to sensitive topics in school. What do these groups... (laughs) What do these groups of decadent influencers have to gain? In short, their ambition is the total breakdown and collapse of the family. Their target is our children. Their goal is social chaos. In some cases, they've been successful. Tragically successful. While some seem to enjoy preying on innocent children to satisfy their own sexual perverse urges, I believe there's a more sinister goal, a noxious construct these influencers hope to build by targeting our littles. Even if the perpetrators are not conscious of it, behind the scenes of the weird, woke, and wicked is the work of German political philosopher Karl Marx, author of the Communist Manifesto. Eliminate religion. Break up the family. Bust society as we know it. Out of disruption and disorganization will rise the opportunity to seize power to fundamentally change America. Or as Victor Davis Hansen, whoever the fuck that is, oh, sorry, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution recently stated, their goal is to deconstruct America. However, fabulous Felicia, the neighborhood drag queen, isn't the real problem. The real orchestrators, the elites who know exactly what they're doing by pushing woke textbooks for kids and encouraging an upside-down media morality, that's the problem. It's part of an overall plan to disrupt, influence, and indoctrinate our children so as to change our country, thus revolutionizing our future. Community disorganization is the first step in community reorganization. In the words of these social revolutionaries, all change means disorganization of the old and organization of the new. By separating children from the negative influence of parents, disrupting society's present moral structure, and systematically displacing Judeo-Christian values, Progressives are unleashing social chaos to create a void that their new social order will quickly fill. What can we do to save our children from this moral kidnapping and our nation from this cultural hijacking? What must we do? I know maybe some of you listeners out there going, oh, look at Matt. Going after the right again. Uh, d- uh, there can be drag story hours, but we got to come down on Kirk Cameron and his and his Christian story hours, and that's not really what's what's happening here. First of all, just to let you in on a, on just a little something about me, uh, you know, the art form of drag, and and you know, that's not that's not actually something I'm very interested in. Do I have something against it? Absolutely not. I think it's a valid art form, and if it's something you enjoy, I think you should uh, attend drag 
story hours, drag shows. Uh, I would I would go to to a drag brunch. So if there is a drag brunch in your town and you want to invite me, I will go to that. Anything that involves eating breakfast foods, but I can also get French fries. Uh, I'm I'm into it, and I don't care who's serving it to me. And I think and I think drag queens. What I've seen of drag brunches and things like that look like a whole lot of fun. But drag as an art form is not any is not something I'm very interested in. It's like this, uh, but but I don't think it shouldn't exist. For example, I really like musicals. I like Broadway musicals. Big fan. Uh, but I get some people don't like them. Uh, in fact, my aunt doesn't like them to the point that she thinks they're terrible. She'll let you know she doesn't like them. And and it seems her attitude and the way she talks about them is like she'd like to go to every Broadway theater and burn it to the ground, preferably with all the actors and the musical our musical theater fans inside burning to death. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's exactly what uh, she wants, but I know she is just very much opposed to musicals. I don't get it. That's fine. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy her attitude about them. It's like, I think they're stupid. So everyone should think they're stupid. And if you don't, you're stupid. And maybe that's not exactly what she means, but anytime, you know, I've talked about a musical or my daughter enjoying a musical around her and she'll go into her musical rant and it's a little hurtful. Uh, you don't have to like everything. Uh, but if other people like it, let them like it. I like football. I know there's other people that don't like football. Um, but you know, that's fine. Let me enjoy it. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't have to exist just cause you don't like it. Like it should be eradicated from the earth. Although football increasingly, there are reasons for maybe why it shouldn't exist, but that's for a different podcast entirely. Uh, not this one like soccer. I can't stand soccer, but I, I would never say, Oh, all soccer fans are idiots or soccer should be eradicated from the earth. It's probably the most popular sport in the entire world. I mean, if you look at the entire globe, so, look, drag, not my thing, but drag story hours, I think that's fine. In fact, anything that encourages children to read is good in my book, because we need people to enjoy books and reading and all that stuff. Here's another reason why I'm not opposed to drag story hours. I might not be, I might not be going to them. My daughter's sort of out of the age range for the story hour now, but, I mean, if she said, hey, dad, let's go to one, I'd say, Sure. Uh, because what, what I think is happening there is that a story is being read and, uh, perhaps it's about inclusion or, you know, accepting others who are different than you, accepting viewpoints and finding worth in viewpoints that you might not have thought about before. Uh, whereas, whereas I don't think when Kirk Cameron rolls into town for whatever his story hour is, I feel like that's, he has an agenda and that agenda is very narrow. And if you don't agree with that agenda, then you're wrong or you're evil. Or you're somehow in cahoots with Satan, which is ridiculous. Whereas maybe there is an agenda at Drag Story Hour, but I think it's an agenda of kindness and acceptance and openness. And for large groups of people to be absolutely against that, uh, it's troubling. And I don't think there are large groups of people against it, to be honest. I think most normal people, and when I say normal people, I mean uh, Christians and non-Christians alike, um, all, all manner of people uh, are normal. I think the majority of this country is 
are, are normal people. I think, they think, this, think the United States of America are, is populated by normal people. But there's some abnormal people, and the, most of these abnormal people really want your votes, so they really want to scare you and make you think that your children are being groomed. And grooming is a weird word, too, because I, I, don't, I don't know what the per The grooming in a drag story hour seems, seems to me, again, I haven't been there, so I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be wrong. I think maybe they're maybe they're grooming children to be positive members of society. Is that could that could that possibly be it? That because that seems like a pretty progressive viewpoint that we want a better society. And I'm talking about I'm talking about normal people. I'm that what I don't like are the extremes on both sides: the extreme right and the extreme left. Like, yeah, I'm pretty left-leaning and I'm pretty liberal, but I'd be just as turned off by the by the left version of Tucker Carlson as I am uh, turned off by the right version. I don't want to be unfair, but regardless, I'll always be a little unfair because I am more liberal and left-leaning, but I'm also more, I would count myself amongst the normals who hear that there's a drag story hour in town. And where, where are these drag story hours? You must really have to search the back of the independent newspaper because I've never seen any advertised where I live. So I don't know where all these drag story hours are, are happening and all these kids are being groomed. I don't know, to, to be more sassy. I mean, we could all, we could all, we could all uh, stand to be a little more sassy, to be honest. Look, I think the real reason the uh, right-wing senators and congressmen are concerned about drag story hours, I think, honestly, I think it's because they're afraid if they wander in and see one that they'll get a boner, and that really freaks them out. <laughs> that's, what, that's, all I, that's all I can think of. I'd rather kids be imbued with a lifelong love of reading and of acceptance and of sassiness than have any sort of story hour uh, banned, except if it's the Kirk Cameron story hour. But that's that's just my thoughts on the whole thing. Uh, really, me and my father agree on it completely. I think my dad said it best. My dad's a very, uh, very upstanding Christian member of society. He said, uh, if you don't want to go to a drag story hour, you know, don't go. Find Find something else to do. There's probably a lot of activities going on in whatever town you live in. And if you live in a town that's super small and there's there aren't a lot of activities, uh, Drag Story Hour ain't one of them. It's not like Drag Story Hours are roaming the countryside looking to infect your town like some sort of weird Resident Evil virus. Uh, you're going to be okay. Look, who even has a spare hour in their day to devote their time to? That's why I try to keep this podcast under an hour. So you can enjoy it, and then you can move on. With that said, let's move on. These brave books that uh, I guess Kurt Cameron is reading at his library performances or whatever, if you go to bravebooks.us, it's like this whole... It's like this whole world that's been created. All these characters who live on this place called Freedom Island, and there's like a map of the island you can look at. You can join the Freedom Island Book Club, which is very, it's made very clear at the very top, pro-God, pro-America children's books. 
what is the Freedom Island Book Club? Well, it's a series that enables you to teach your kids difficult subjects through engaging stories and easy-to-read books. Let's see, we write a new book every month. Every book teaches a different pro-God, pro-America value. Well, that's good. Each book includes exciting games and engaging discussion sections. And then you can get a 30% discount on each book if you join the club or something like that. So, um, and the bi- let's see, this month, if you, if you sign up right now, and that's, that's your journey. You have to decide. I'm not here to sell the product to you. I'm not being paid by Brave Books. I'm not, I'm not telling you don't buy Brave Books. I just want to give you, I just want to tell you when I click the link to look at some of these Brave Books and see the world that Kirk Cameron has created with, a, with, with these writers and illustrators. Uh, it is an elaborate, kind of exciting, sort of Narnia-esque world. But uh, this month, if you order... You're going to get Elephants Are Not Birds. That's the book you're going to get. Elephants Are Not Birds. And I think we know, we all know what that book's about. (laughs) That is some anti-trans bullshit uh, if I ever saw it. But you also get the book Club Awesome Sauce. And I don't know what that's about, but I'll tell you one thing. The, The members of Club Awesome Sauce on the cover, they are excited to be a member of this club. It looks like a really cool... It looks like club meetings happened in this really cool treehouse. Um, but I, I should use this moment to tell the audience, you guys, that I hate the phrase awesome sauce. I can't promise you're not going to get punched in the teeth if you say that around me. Uh, a little preview of next month's book. It's called Little Lives Matter. That that must be... I think that book probably has something about uh, something to do with the child lives matter movement the you know the people that are concerned that hollywood actors are are kidnapping children and feeding on their adrenochrome or whatever <laughs> i think that's what little lives matter is probably about okay here we go so there's different there's different sagas and right now right now saga 1 Oh, wow. Well, they're all here. Okay. Well, hang on. All the books are listed on here. So you're going to want to obviously start with Saga 1, and that's the origins. It's, uh, you're going to discover the origins of Freedom Island and Team Brave. So Team Brave, and we'll talk about Team Brave in just a minute. They reside on this place called Freedom Island. And honestly, I really love, like, you know, when you, you know, like a Lord of the Rings book or something like that, and they... Like, they'll include a map of this fantastical world. I love looking at those maps and kind of just... And especially when there's, like, places that, like, the Hobbit... Like, it, let's use Lord of the Rings. Like, when the Hobbits walk through whatever forest, the Dunsinane Forest or whatever it was, uh, and then it's like, oh, there's the forest they walk through. And there's and there's Tom Riddle's house. They walk through there and got the magical goblet or something. I just like to see all those places on the map. So it's the Freedom Island map is kind of cool. Like Freedom Island's pretty cool. There's a rainforest there. Uh, there oh the there's one one beach there is called Caralago. Caralago Coast is what that's called. Uh, I didn't see that before. <laughs> I didn't see that when I first did research of this. Oh brother. Um, there's Domatron, which. I, that's kind of off the coast of Freedom Island. 
I think that might be where, because there's bad guys. Because there's Cabal Island, and I'm thinking the, the bad guys live on Cabal Island. Domatron seems pretty, that seems where all the people that want to teach sexual uh, immorality. They're hanging on in Domatron, I'm thinking. Uh, but like on Freedom Island, there's um, there's the Wonderwell. There's Forenzi Park, which looks like a pretty cool amusement park. Uh, there is there's the Sky Tree. Maybe that's where Club Awesome Sauce meets. I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty neat, this map. You can choose the different locations. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Like Mushroom Village. Mushroom Village is colorful, fun, and very laid back. The animals of Mushroom Village love to take it easy and live every day to the fullest. Well, that's kind of a ripoff of the Smurfs, or it's a drug reference, which would be really weird. <laughs> Forenzi Park is an exhilarating and fast-moving place to live. From roller coasters to racetracks, this city moves at a speedy pace and is home to the fastest animals in all of Freedom Island. So that's kind of like New York City mixed with Six Flags. This one was interesting. Wizard Way. Magic pours out of every window and door in Wizard's Way. The, powerful, the most powerful wizards on Freedom Island reside here. So Wizard's... Let's see, that's, that doesn't seem to go with the whole pro-God thing, but Meltonville. <laughs> Meltonville is a popular winter adventure park that's exciting. And there's a lot of theme parks on uh, Freedom Island, but Freedom Island is a fun place to live. Uh, I encourage you to look up the map and, and, and plan your summer vacation on Freedom Island. So let's look at some of the books in the Freedom Island Saga. So we have Saga 1, which is the origins, where we're going to learn stuff about Freedom Island and Team Brave. And of course, Elephants Are Not Birds is our first one. Clearly anti-trans. Little Lives Matter is definitely going to be about adrenochrome. The Island of Free Ice Cream. Well, that's going to... I, I, I'm just guessing that that's going to be about grooming. That the kids are lured in uh, with ice cream. And then, they're, then and that's when the grooming begins. Which that a direct correlation to libraries that the children are drawn in by the books and the access to the internet and the colorful uh, drag queens who are who are very sassy and, and, and fun and funny and telling jokes and then that's when the grooming starts. I don't exactly know what, what the grooming entails. I don't know what they're being taught. That men can wear dresses and it's okay. That seems that doesn't seem that that doesn't seem that life shattering, but okay. Uh, then there's the book Fame, Blame, and the Raft of Shame. And I, I don't know what that's about. More Than Spots and Stripes. That's another one. Paws Off My Cannon. <laughs> Clearly, that one's about uh, guns and how the right... Uh, you got to pry those guns out of their cold, dead hands. This is this is a cannon, though. It looks to be like a, uh, a Donkey Kong-type character. And he's got a cannon. We're going to read about some of the characters in a bit. I think Paws Off My Cannon will make... A little more sense after we meet this monkey character. Uh, there's Son of Truth, the fight for Freedom Island. So that's in Saga One. They had to fight to keep this I this island free. And free freedom, freedom isn't free. And I think that's what the the brave, what are they called? Team Brave. I think that's what they learn in the fight for Freedom Island. And then there's Because You're My Family, which shows three cat-like creatures together. So keeping it pure. And then Dawn of the Brave, I believe that's a finally like like Avengers, the first Avengers movie, 
they, somebody has finally brought all the Team Brave members together, and they, they fight their first battle. And you can get all those books in a box set. And why wouldn't you? Uh, Saga 2 uh, is, is, is entitled Iron Chaos. And that is the journey. You got a journey with Team Brave as they battle Lester and his terrifying ship named Iron Chaos. Well, I'm, I'm saying all these character names. Let, let's meet some of the characters who live on Freedom Island. Why don't we? The, of course, we know there's a group, uh, of, an Avengers-style group called the Brave. They're keeping things free. Let's just meet a few of them. Uh, Bongo was real interesting to me. Bongo is a brave... This is from the website, bravebooks.us. Bongo is a brave gorilla who lives in the Raqqa rainforest and enjoys using his coconut cannons for all sorts of purposes. But when a situation arises, he has to use them for more than just fun. Um, it's, it, might be a, it might be a school shooting. He has to show up and take care of business. And I don't know where the, ki the kids go to school, maybe in, in the treetops in like an Ewok-style village, and, uh, and Bongo has to come in there with his, his coconut cannons and, and take care of business. But uh, using both his strength and coconut cannons, he fights to defend his home. His act of bravery is noticed by more than just his city. It's noticed by the legends of Freedom Island, and they invite him to be a part of Team Brave. By the way, I, I don't know if it's a school shooting that he um, intervenes in. I'm just I'm guessing that it's something like that. I'm just guessing. I'm making very educated guesses. Who are some other characters here? Oh, uh, there's Rebel. Rebel's a super fast cheetah living in Suma Savannah. Savannah. And she is imbued with bravery. Her speed and agility comes in handy when fighting against the authoritarian powers that threaten to corrupt her city. Rebel's act of bravery is noticed. Oh, she becomes a member of Team Brave. Spoiler alert. Uh, there's Asher. He's a clever fox. His wit and bravery are pinnacle in the battle against a communist enemy. So there is communism in the world of uh, Freedom Island. There's communism. And uh, so Asher, his actions saved his city from the horrid and inevitable end communism would have brought. So clearly he is asked to be a member of Team Brave. I don't know if there's like a, a Nick Fury type character who recruits these different animals or what, but I mean, I guess I'll know when my box set gets here. There's a guy named Valor. He's a, he's a tiger. He seems awesome. <laughs> he's wearing a hoodie. Uh, there's Eva. She's a hippo and she has a deep comedic sassiness, but she's got a deep fear of public speaking. Now, so a situation arises that threatens to take away an animal's ability to act freely, probably to prey in, in, in treetop school. She chooses to overcome her fear of public speeding in order to defend her city and its people's freedom. By overcoming her fear of what others think and saving her city, she gets a... Now, see, the Eva book could actually... I think that one might... That actually might be pretty good. Like, Eva, maybe Eva has a speech impediment. Maybe she uh, stutters. And... But she is moved to speak up for someone and, you know, gets over her fear of, you know, of, you know staying quiet. And I, so that Eva might be... So far, Eva's the only character I like. <laughs> well, here are the legends. Oh, I guess these would be your these would be your Nick Furies. There's Moby, who he's a brave bear who fought in the ancient battle with Fiona and Arthur. We'll meet them in a minute. Against the old islands to free the people of Freedom Island. As a young bear, Moby learned from his mama to lay down his life for the life of others and to fight for them even when it's hard. 
Although Moby seems like a good guy. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Moby doesn't seem battle-ready. <laughs> seems like maybe since since the first, uh, first Freedom Island War, he's sort of let himself go. <laughs> I guess that's why they need to recruit all these new young animals, because, you know, the, the original warriors kind of got a little lazy after they defeated communism. There's Arthur, who is clearly um, Aslan, if you're familiar with Narnia. Arthur is a courageous and noble lion who fought in order to form Freedom Island. His best friend is Moby, and he's married to Fiona. Okay. Not a lot about Arthur there. But Fiona is a bold and loving lion. Both lions, Arthur and Fiona, married both lions. Just, just throwing that out there. She is the wife of Arthur and a former warrior in the first war that freed Freedom Island. What I like about these books is that at least they're about war. Because I think children should be reminded that war is inevitable at all times. So you gotta so hold on to those coconut cannons because the enemy is coming to your door, my friend. In fact, let's skip. I'm gonna skip to the enemies. There's some like friends. I feel like these there's there's a whole list of people. They're they're Team Brave's companions. They're sort of like the Bucky's and uh, who is the Hulk's buddy? Uh Richard, Richard Dixon, <laughs> no, Alan something or other, I don't know, uh, the Hulk had some kid always following him around, I should know, Marvel, fellow Marvel fans are so angry with me right now, sorry, alright, I pulled Bucky, I've been reading a lot of Captain America lately, that's why I pulled Bucky so easily, um, let's move on to the villains, these are the guys, these, these are the people that hate Freedom Island, oh, they hate it, they don't like how, they don't like how, uh, Freedom Island is free. Freedom. Fuck freedom. We're going to come in there and, and take away your freedom. There's culture. He's a vulture. <laughs> uh, he's a conniving vulture who seeks to manipulate whomever he comes in contact with. His goal is simple. Cause chaos among all the animals. His main tactic is deception. By wrapping his lies with a small layer of truth, he becomes a tough character to beat. The only way to beat culture is to hold on to what is true. I bet there's a lot of, there might be some listeners, I don't know, I feel like if you're listening to me still, you, you probably are at least on the same, share the same mindset that I have. I don't know, maybe you don't. Um, the show is for everyone. But I think I think maybe I'm kind of a culture figure in your life, a culture vulture figure. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm having some fun and kind of telling some jokes, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I just want to be a part of Freedom Island so bad. Obviously, I'd want to be a part of the Brave, but I don't know if I agree with all the all the thoughts on the Brave. Oh, the parrots—they're—they're they're just parrots that are that are bad. Oh, and they're the—they're the official news source for all of Freedom Island. So even Freedom Island isn't free of fake news. You got these parrots flying around, spreading misinformation. Probably like. They were probably like, whenever, whatever the Freedom Island version of COVID is, they were probably like trying to encourage people to get their, get their shots and everything. Mm, those parrots, I don't, I don't trust that. Oh, Lester came up earlier. Let's see what he is. Lester just wants to see society crumble in the complete chaos. He's basically the Joker. He's the leader of the weasels and pushes them to bring absolute disaster, not only to Freedom Island, but all the surrounding islands as well. Even Dom Island? What was it? B BDSM Island? <laughs> uh, 
Carl the koala likes to spend his time in deep thought about what is wrong in society and then comes up with a plan to make it even worse. Uh, maybe, maybe people see me as a Carl koala type figure. His use of big words discombobulates those he speaks to and causes them to believe what he says despite the lack of reason. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more, of, a, more of a Carl character, I think. I'm more of a Carl type. I just ramble on and on about liberal shit. Uh, Slubgob? Mm. Sounds gross. Slubgob likes to lurk in the murk and muck of every crevice of Freedom Island. Ugh. And he's notorious for being involved in everything. Mm, Slubgob. Unfortunately, there's not a picture of Slubgob. There aren't pictures for all these villains. I guess they're going to be introduced in different phases. Uh, this guy, I guess this guy might be the... He's the most... Oh, this is Blackheart. Blackheart is the black and red tiger. Is the most feared villain of all the brave universe. He is driven by his desire to rule and believes that fear is more powerful than freedom. Hmm, that's weird. He sounds sort of like a, a far-right hero, you know, putting fear into people's hearts. Blackheart, oh, I see. His goal is to control and enslave all of the brave universe. Well, hopefully the brave heroes will stop him from doing that. Anyway, these books are these books are kind of cool. Like, oh, and you can oh look at this! You can get a treasure box. What's in this treasure box? Treasure box comes with it looks like an old timey like pouch. Is it full of gold coins? <laughs> it doesn't say what's in these. Oh oh, look at this! You can get a a frisbee and a pair of sunglasses with the Saga Two treasure box. Holy shit. I mean, you said treasure. I didn't think I didn't think a frisbee was going to be in there. That's tight. Oh, okay, in the in the first in Saga 1, you get an activity book and a puzzle. That's pretty cool too. Not going to lie. Those treasure boxes are pretty sweet. And then there's one more thing here. There's a a joke book. Hilarious joke book for kids, Brave Edition. Oh, okay. The Oh, it's sold out. Well, shit. The joke book's sold out. Here's here's some reviews. Here's a review on that joke book that we're not going to get to see. I really like this this guy, this person, their review. is It's five-star review. It says, a different type of joke book. <laughs> okay. I, I really like how I can trust that there will be good jokes, none off-colored or suggestive, and that there is a different approach to telling jokes by including a game with them. Nothing's more fun than to like, hey, Dad, do you want to hear a joke? Sure. Okay, well, here's some dice and uh, pick which color uh, player you want to be. <laughs> uh, this person, their review, also five stars. Hilarious joke book. Well, that's, I mean, that's the title. Spoiler alert. It gives it away right in the title. This is a great book for families and classrooms. Okay. Oh, Jill. Uh ran up on here given a five-star review uh, she says my granddaughter loves it fun book to read with my granddaughter she loves to tell jokes well, that's fantastic uh and then diane another another happy grandma uh, says my granddaughter took her book on a camping trip and entertained her parents entertained should be in quotation marks <laughs> another five-star review a cute joke book for my son. It's nice to have good, clean books. I don't have to worry about my kids reading. Are there like 
like, I know they're dirty joke books, but, like, when you take your kid to the library, to the bookstore, are they somehow getting books out without you knowing it or buying a book without you knowing that that's full of dirty jokes? That's full of woke humor? <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? Really good, clean, funny jokes. Really good, clean, funny jokes for kids. I bought it for a little girl at my church who trades jokes with me each week. Okay, that's... What else is going on with that in that, in that weird friendship? Uh, by the way, all these all these reviews are five stars. Uh, this person says, "Who doesn't like a good joke? Our grandchildren are enjoying the jokes and other items in the book. Great family fun." Yes, this is this this is all geared toward grandparents. This is just what grandparents are getting their kids, their grandkids, because they don't know what. Because I don't know. Wizard books seem scary. I don't know. Um, I wish we could read some of these hilarious jokes. When I was looking at this whole thing, I was real bummed because I was like, man, I really want to hear some good, clean jokes. So I, I did try to find excerpts from the book online. I couldn't. But I did find this great website uh, that provided uh, the 50 best jokes for little kids. And this is just kind of fun. Just We're here at the end of the podcast. And I just thought I'd read some of these like kind of fun like jokes for kids. Like these are just fun jokes you can tell on like a family road trip. Like I wish I had this collection of jokes when I was, uh, you know, in Michigan a couple weeks ago. I really wish I'd had that hilarious joke book for kids brave edition. Uh, but like, so I just was going to end the show with some of these great, these are apparently have been voted by some, I'm, I'm sure it's an accredited board of, <laughs> of people. The 50 best jokes for kids. So let's just, I'd like, I'm just going to read a few of my favorites. Um, what do you call a sleeping dinosaur? A dino snore? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, what has two legs but can't walk? A pair of pants. <laughs> oh, boy. That's good. Uh, why did mom throw the butter out the window? She wanted to see a butterfly. <laughs> I went to the science museum last weekend and saw butterflies. That's weird. That's what a waste of butter. Actually, yeah, that one, I don't, that should be off the list. Is there, is there a delete button? I don't, okay. Uh, how do you get a squirrel to like you? Act like a nut. nut. Hmm. That seems, kind of seems rude to people who have mental problems who are mentally unstable a nut mm, I don't know. if there, yeah that should probably be deleted i think what do elves learn in school the elf a bet huh it's not it's not terrible oh, okay what's what's this one why was michael jackson at jc penny's he heard little boy's pants were half off. <laughs> Why did Grandpa throw the clock out the window? 
because it had been broken for three years and no amount of telling his wife to go get it fixed seemed to get through to her, so he was so pissed off, he threw it out the fucking window. That's really... One, that's not really a joke. That's... And that's inappropriate. Where... How can you... Is there a way to contact the people on this website to... It doesn't seem like something that should be included in 50 Best Jokes for Kids. Or jokes. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a short story. Oh, here we go. What is a tree's favorite drink? Root beer. <laughs> now that's good. That's good. I like that one. Let's read a couple more of these because I feel bad about that clock one. Uh, what did the toaster say to the slice of bread? I want you inside me. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Does, hmm, does that, does that, hmm. Okay, um, hmm. Okay, let's see. Why do walruses love a Tupperware party? They're they're always on the lookout for a tight seal. <laughs> this is the 50 best jokes for kids. The 50 best jokes for little kids. That's what this says. Okay. All right, I'm just want to make sure. What did the volcano say to his wife? I lava you so much. That's good. That's sweet. I like that. That's just kind of sweet. How do you make a pool table laugh? Tickle its balls. <laughs> did the sperm cross the road because I put on the wrong sock this morning <laughs> all right hey this is there's got to be a way to complain who who runs the internet who's in charge of the internet is it the president of the United States because this is inappropriate what has four wheels and flies a garbage truck. Garbage trucks don't fly. Fucking, what does that even mean? Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. Eh. I mean, that's funny, I guess. What is Moby Dick's dad's name? Papa Boner. <laughs> Some of these do not do not seem appropriate. Uh, 
what do you get when you put cheese next to ducks? Cheese and quackers. <laughs> That's good. That is good. Uh, what's the best thing to put into a pie? Your teeth. That's, that is also, that's funny and true. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> and finally, why does Dr. Pepper come in a bottle? Because his wife died. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the episode and yes i know the hulk's buddy's name is rick grind rick james rick jones so there reach out to us at giant podcast at gmail.com check us out on instagram at giant podcast that's it have a great one bye bye